All right, how we doing? Doing good? Man, some incredible worship today, man. Thank you for all of our musicians and worship leaders that lead us in both locations. It's really amazing. And speaking of people who lead out, there's another group I want to highlight quickly before we jump into the message today. You know, we've been teaching through this concept or this teaching series. It's just a phase talking about parenting. And a lot of us are parents or maybe going to be parents or maybe your grandparents. But there's a lot of other people that really help in helping kids grow beyond just parents. And that's the other tribe that we're going to talk about today is the church. And so we have so many men and women here that serve in kids and students and do just an incredible job of trying to reinforce everything that we want our kids to know as parents as well. And so that we have incredible team members that serve in both locations. And so I just want to take a second and honor them for a minute. Uh, if you serve in Rev Kids or in Rev Students, would you mind just standing up for a little bit? We want to honor you and say thank you for doing what you do. Uh, both locations. Yeah, let's, let's give it up for them. <coughs> yeah. Just some amazing, amazing team members, green shirts or kids, purple shirts or students that meets on Wednesday nights, uh, both locations, just some incredible teams that just do an incredible job week in and week out and helping grow our kids. And, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but a lot of people that serve are either kids and students themselves that are serving or parents of kids and students. And so, so many of our team members have kids in the ministry, and so therefore they serve because it means a lot to them, especially in student ministry as well. And I would say, especially student ministry, if you got a teenager, instead of just coming and dropping them off and going to hang at Starbucks for a little bit, just, just come serve, all right, and, and, and take care and, and help. It's a good chance to spy on them too. I didn't say that, but... Um, I've heard that that's true. Uh, no, it's, it's a great opportunity as parents to pour into other kids uh, as well, beyond your own kids, because that is the whole purpose of not only doing this series, but all it's the ministries that we have. It's reinforcing the home and the church. And so it's all of our incredible team members that make that happen. So thank you, all of you that serve countless hours, in and out, weekends, Wednesdays, all kinds of things. And so we're so incredibly grateful for you as a church, and we wanna continue to not only fund kids and student ministries, for, you know, we want to make sure that that's the main heartbeat of our church, but also raise up leaders out of our kids and student ministries. And that's one of the coolest things is seeing kids who came through the ministry now serving and impacting the next generation of kids. So thank you. Second thing before we jump into the message is we've got the celebration tonight, the 15-year celebration, both locations coming together here in Canton. We're going to have a time of worship here in the Canton Auditorium for a while, and then we're going to hang out afterwards, and I'll talk more about why that's important in just a little bit. But when you come this afternoon, from 4 to 5.30, bring a chair with you or a blanket or something. Uh, we, that way we have space out in the lobby outside. It's not going to rain. I've already talked to Jesus about that. And... Um, <laughs> So just going to hang out and eat. We got food, we've got desserts, and that's an important spiritual thing for us to do. So bring some chairs, bring some blankets with you, and we'll have a good time this afternoon, all right? But if you've got a Bible, we're wrapping up this series. Uh, it's just a phase this weekend. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 12. We've been hanging out in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 for the last several weeks, and we're just going to go forward a couple chapters. So if you've got a Bible, it's in the first part of your Bible, the book of Deuteronomy. It means the second law. We're going to look at chapter 12 today, just verses 1 through 7, uh, because there's plenty there to talk about. We're going to talk about two more things that we need to do over time that really create health and growth in our kids. And so, so far, if you haven't been here, I'm going to just catch you up quickly. That way you kind of know where we are. But especially if you have been here, I want you to be reminded by this as well. The whole point of this series or the thrust of this series is talking about doing the right things over time. 
because we decided and we discussed that it's not time itself that heals anything. That phrase, time heals all wounds, it's just simply not true because sometimes time can just make things worse. It's doing the right things over time that lead to health and lead to growth. And so we've just been talking about what are those right things as we parent our kids through these phases. And maybe you don't have parents, but you are still going through phases as well. And so the principle is true of doing the right things over time. And here's what you need. So here's the three things we've talked about so far. And I'm going to give you two more this week. The first one is we need love over time. Love over time creates worth. And we talked about out of Deuteronomy 6, where the command for us to love God with all of our heart really starts with letting God love us, receiving the love of God, being forgiven, understanding how much God loves us, and then filling us up with love and then giving and loving out of that because we can't give what we don't have. And so love over time creates worth, not only in you, but when we love over time, others, we create worth in them. Secondly, we talked last week two things. Words over time, that equals direction. And so it's so important for us to use words that build up our kids. And I was talking to my teenage son about this this week, and, and he let me know that we don't have to use their words. Uh, I don't have to talk like them because there's words that he uses. And then when I start using them, he's like, Dad, that's just weird. All right. So you don't have to use their words over time because they need their own words but we can use words to build them up over time. And when we do that, that gives them direction. And then also we talked last week about stories over time. When we give them stories over time, that gives them perspective. We tell them the biblical stories about God did this and this is the real God and he's still working this. And so we also share our testimony of how God has been working in our life. And when we give our kids stories like that, we give them perspective. We help them understand that this, this whole world thing has been going on long before they got here and God has been working and we're just simply invited into that story. And so that's what we've talked about so far. We're gonna look at two more things today that we're gonna see in Deuteronomy chapter 12 this week. But as always, before we jump into the text, would you pray with me and ask God to bless our time together? Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a good father to us. It's, it's amazing that it's one of the primary uh, ways that you described yourself. And so, God, we know what it means to be a father because you are that. But so many of us haven't had good experiences with that. And so as we've talked through this, God, I pray that you would help us to see that even though others have failed, you have not. But we can learn from those failures. We can learn how to be what you are. We can learn how to love over time. We can learn how to use words, the power of words over time, tell stories over time. And as we open your word today, God, I pray that you would speak to us again. Not only just speak to us for us and for our sake to open our eyes. Maybe there's some here today that don't know you. Would you save them? But also for the sake of those that we lead, for the sake of those that we're parenting. God, would you open our eyes to help us know better how to help them? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1, work our way down to verse 7. But first, let's read the first four verses, and then we'll talk about it. It says, these are the statutes and rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess served their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn their asherim with fire. You shall top, chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. Verse four, this is crucial. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. 
Now, here's what you need to understand contextually. Again, we've been talking about this. The book of Deuteronomy is written by Moses, and it's called the second law, where he's telling the people of Israel before they go into the promised land, he's telling them the law again, because he's not going to lead them in. Joshua is. And so he's saying this to them again, and this is a crucial command that he's giving them here in chapter 12. But if we're honest, for us as Westerners, we read this and we're like, man, that kind of sounds harsh. Like they got to go into this land and dispossess the people there and then tear down all their worship centers, all their carved images, all the places where they worshiped their gods. And for us living in a pluralistic society today, especially, we read something like this. We're like, man, God is harsh. God is mean. This just feels so wrong to us because we live in a society where you are free to worship, right? Because the the government's not going to make any laws regarding religion. So you're free to worship. But here's what you need to understand. You need to understand the principle of what God is saying here. Obviously, he's speaking to a nation, and it's different for us in one level today because we are not the nation of Israel. We are the church. But here's the principle that God is speaking to us that is for us today that we need to be aware of, especially when it comes to parenting. Every culture, every culture on the face of the planet today has gods behind it. Let me say it to you like this, has spiritual forces behind it or is shaped by every culture has values or has a value system. And there is a spiritual force behind that. When I say force, I'm not talking Star Wars. All right. Because you need to understand biblically and we'll do a series on this, but let me just give you a short little tease of it. You need to understand when the Bible uses the word gods here, it's a little G, but it is the Hebrew word Elohim. And so when God is speaking to them, he's saying, listen, there are other gods out there. And and we, again, we just think of God as Elohim. And the Bible does use this word to refer to God. But here's the best way to understand it. There are other Elohim. There are other gods, but there is no God like Yahweh. That is what God is saying to them. But you need to understand there there are other gods. There are other belief systems. There are other value systems out there. And he's giving them a warning saying, listen, when you go into this new land, you're going to be so tempted to try to fit in with them that you actually start worshiping what they worship. Because here's what we know to be true. We so desire to belong to tribes, to groups of people that we will adopt their belief systems just to belong with them. So here's the first thing that we need to understand. This is the next uh, equation, if you will, that we've been talking about. Tribes over time equal belonging. Tribes over time equal belonging. You and I are relational people. We're just born this way. In fact, that's why God put us into a family. And we now know that if a kid, if a baby does not get connected to their family instantly, this is why they take the baby, hand it to the mother most often, because there's a connection that is made there. There's a belonging that is made there. There's this sense of like, oh, these are my people. And so when you're saved, God also puts you into a family and it's called the church. So it's in the exact same way that we need families. We need belonging. But here's what happens if we're not careful. We will seek out other tribes beyond our families or beyond the church and our desire to belong with them that will actually compromise beliefs we grew up with just to fit in with them. 
And so God is saying to the nation of Israel, listen, as you move into this new land, as you move into this new culture, you need to understand something. It is not spiritually neutral. It's not spiritually neutral. You're not moving into a land where there are no spiritual forces, spiritual powers at play. And we read this and he says, they're carved images. We just think of idols a lot of times in our context. We think of like, that's a good thing that we turn into a God thing like sports or school. And of course those things can be idols, but here's what you need to understand. Behind those is a spirit in our culture that says this is most important. And so whatever the idol is, there is a God behind it. And so he is saying to them, when you move into this nation, you need to understand there are gods there. There are spiritual forces there. And when you move in, if you don't deconstruct what they believe, then you will take what they believe and you will combine it with what you believe and you'll make a new belief. And the theological word for that is syncretism. You can look that up later, but it just means the combining of belief system to form a new one. And if you know the story of the Old Testament, it's exactly what happened, right? They took what God said, and then they took what the nations around them said, and they put them together. And so often in today's world, we do the same thing, and we don't even know the difference. We take the Bible, and we take Disney, and we put them together to create a new religion. And I'm not banging on Disney. It's Hollywood, whatever, right? And so we take the values of the culture that we're in, and we try to meld them with the values of the Bible, and we actually create something new altogether that God says, that ain't my word. And so we have phrases in churches where people are like, God help themselves. No, he doesn't. Like, quit saying that. It ain't in the Bible. And that's a bad phrase anyway, because there's no hope there. What the Bible says is God helps those who have no shot at helping themselves. Right? Like, so we have to be careful because, see, listen to me, all of us live in a culture. All of us are born into a culture. We're born into a land where God is not the king of. And we're born into a value system. We're born into an educational system that tells us and instructs us, here's the way things are. And it always stands in contradiction to God's word. But here's where most Christians, this is why most Christians retreat from that culture. Most Christians will say, well, that is, is how we are, you know, like we're not supposed to be of it. We're in it, but we're not of it. And we miss, we put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable of what Jesus said. Like four of y'all got that joke. All right, you'll get it later. It's syllable. All right. Um, but Jesus didn't say be in it and not of it. Like, what did he say? He said, don't be of it, but be in it. He put the emphasis on being in it, not not being of it. But so here's what happens. So often Christians, because we're afraid of the culture, will retreat and create our own subculture. But God's saying, no, 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 I don't want you. You're going to this new land. I don't want you to retreat and create your own subculture. I want you to move in and create a new culture. And that new culture is built on my word. And that new culture is built upon what I have told you to do. Because he says, be careful to do this. It means to conform one's actions to. And so as Christians, we're not called to retreat and create our own culture. We're called to be salt and light into the culture that we're going. But we have to understand that we belong to Christ, not to them. Because if we misunderstand that, then we will compromise our beliefs for the sake of belonging. 
This is like, all right, what the heck does this have to do with parenting? Everything. Everything. Because our kids need to belong. They are dying to belong. And in our homes, we better have this tribal system. We better understand the role of tribes and create a sense of belonging in my home and in your home. Let me say it to you like this. Ain't nobody going to outbelong my kids. No one's going to create a place of belonging for my kids more than me because my kids need to know that they belong. And, and part of understanding and letting our kids understand that they belong is celebrating, yes, their uniqueness. I tell my daughter all the time because there's this, you know, there's this tension to conform. I said, baby, don't be normal. Be weird. And she's like, but I don't like being weird. Like, I know, but when I say weird, we always think of that in the negative context. Last service, I said, your kids, should, your home should be the number one place where your kids can be weird. And they just started laughing. I didn't mean it to be funny. But, but here's what I'm saying. I don't want to be like anybody else because I'm not like anybody else. And so my wiring makes me weird and that's good. And, and my daughter tells me all the time, cause I'm always, and we'll get into this more in just a second. I'm always messing with her. I'm always having fun. And she'll look at me and she'll say, dad, you're so weird. Yes, I'm winning. <laughs> because I want them to know, hey, this is just me. But, but it's in understanding their wiring. And I say, listen, I'm not trying to conform you into some image that I think you should be. I want you to be who God made you to be. And you can be that here. Now, again, I'm not talking about the sinful versions. All right. I'm not talking about that because our culture has a value of that too. No, no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you who you think you want to be based upon what the culture tells you you should be. I'm saying your personality type, your wiring, maybe you're introvert, maybe you're extrovert, whatever it is, you belong here because belief springs out of belonging. And so when it comes to cultural contexts, what we need to understand is our kids desire that. And they also need tribes outside of our homes. And you can fight this till the cows come home and not even have cows, right? But your kids need other tribes outside of your home. And you got to start this early, not when they're teenagers. Creating tribes, creating places, other places. And this is the power of the church, man. The power of the church to create tribes, to create places for them to belong that reinforce what you believe. I'll never forget when we moved here almost 10 years ago, Lindsay went out to, uh, we call them playdates now, which is just weird to me. I guess I'll be honest. Uh, I, I mean, I've never, well, maybe I have heard a dad be like, let's have a playdate. No, I, I want to trip somebody when, when a dad says that. But to me, it's like, we just had friends, like, right? We just went and played together. We don't have to play date. Whatever, don't email me, all right? But Lindsay scheduled a play date <laughs> with a, a new lady in our church who hadn't been here very long, and they just instantly connected because we have a son the same age, and they went to go play at Chick-fil-A. And they played and became friends, and, and her and my wife became friends, and they're still great friends to this day. But it's created this sense of belonging to where it's still one of his best friends, and it has been for 10 years. We took him on vacations with us and vice versa, always doing fun things together. Again, we'll get to more of that in just a second. But I wanted my friends to be a part of tribes because they need to be a part of tribes. They need to spend the night at other people's houses. They need to enjoy the company and the belonging of other people. I just better know their parents, right? So our kids don't go spend the night or stay with other people where I don't know the value systems of that tribe. 
but they need those tribes. So again, the solution is not, we're just going to retreat. No, the solution is engage, but I have to understand the principle that belonging shapes beliefs. And so I don't want them to belong to things that are going to contradict belief systems. Again, it doesn't mean that they have to be in private school. Public school is fine. People ask all the time, private school, public school, homeschool. Yes and amen to all three. All of them are great. And, and different seasons of your kids' lives, maybe you employ different options. We've done all three. It's not one system is the best. The key is just understanding the principle that tribes over time equal belonging. And your kids need tribes and they need it at home. And I would suggest to you that the church is that other main tribe in their life where belonging takes place and it's reinforcing what you believe. Look at what Moses says next. Look at verse five and six. He says, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes. There's that word because Israel was 12 tribes, 12 clans from the 12 sons of Israel to put his name and to make his habitation there. There you shall go. He says, listen, when you go into this land, you're going to tear down the places that they worship and the Lord your God will seek out a place and there you will go. And then he says this, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your, the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. So he says, when you move into this land, not only are you going to dispossess them, but you're going to construct, you're going to bring about a new place of worship. So here's what we have to understand when it comes to our kids. Part of discipleship is deconstruction. Part, don't miss me when I say this. Part of discipleship is deconstructing. Now, I told you last week, it's much easier to deconstruct than it is to construct. I'm not talking about deconstructing people. I'm talking about deconstructing belief systems. And so our kids need to understand how to deconstruct, how to see through something and say, no, that's not true because that's different from what God says. And that's part of what parents were called to. One of my favorite scriptures, and in fact, it's the scripture that my notes are always pinned in on because I read it every Sunday is Jeremiah chapter one. When God calls Jeremiah, he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. And I called you to be a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah says, I can't speak. I'm only a child. And God says, don't say that. I'll give you words to speak. And then he tells them this in verse 10. I don't have it on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. He says, see, I have set, over, set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Six words he tells Jeremiah there. Four of them have to do with deconstructing and two of them have to do with constructing. So two thir listen, two-thirds of discipleship is tearing down, is uprooting, is deconstructing, and one-third of it is reconstructing. And so when he says, when you move into this land, you need to understand you're going to have to deconstruct what they have said. You're going to have to deconstruct their altars. You have to deconstruct the value system of the culture that you're moving into. But if you don't construct something in its place, then you're not replacing it with my word. So he says, you're going to have a place where God tells you, and that's what he told Jeremiah, to build and to plant, to build and to plant. I love that the Bible uses the, the agricultural terms all the time, because that's what our mission statement is, grow people. And anything that you build and that you plant, there's a process to it. So it's helping our kids understand, listen, 
that may not be sin. And this is what we do all the time as, as Christians, we categorize as sin. And, and so on one side of the, of the argument, people say, well, anything that even smells like sin, we're not going to do. And so you can get very legalistic. You can get very legalistic. And if you create a very legalistic home in your kids, your kids will rebel against that. But then if you go the other way, which again, we normally go in extremes like, no, we're just going to let them decide what is right and wrong. Well, that's a horrible strategy. But, but here's how we need to talk to our kids. Because again, they may not even have a context for sin, but here's how we say it to them. Listen, it may or may not be sin, but it is a seed. Now listen to me. Every deed is a seed. It's going to grow something. Every action, every thought process, what is going to be the fruit of this? This is how we help construct with our kids. It may not be sin, but it is a seed. And I'm telling you, I look back on my life. I wish my parents would not have allowed me to sow into some things. Would you agree to that? I wish my, wish my parents would have helped me understand. If you sow into this now, I promise you, it's not going to produce the life that you want. And that's the value of the church. Again, this is what I'm getting. He says, listen, there you shall go and there you shall bring. So here's how the role of the church can help you, not only in deconstructing, but in constructing a positive belief system. They can reinforce what the word of God says. Reinforce what you're saying at home or should be saying at home. And it's things like this. Listen, you need to understand something. I know when you look at the commands of God now, you think that God is so restrictive. He is so not fun. This is so not fair for God to say this, for God to do this. But you need to understand if you do this, you're planting a seed. And that seed's going to grow into something. And it may grow into something that one day that you look back on and you think, man, why did I ever sow that? And that's the role of the church. But here's the thing. If our families, see the church is made up of families. It's not so much about the temple like it was in the Old Testament because now 1 Corinthians 6 tells us we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But when we gather together as the people of God, what we need to understand is we are reinforcing the word of God that the spirit of God is saying to our hearts. And when that happens in a tribal context where belonging is taking place, then beliefs actually grow there. And so if there is not a regular rhythm in our homes of us actually going to the place where the people of God are, then we are missing out on the value of the other tribes reinforcing what we're saying. So here's what I'm saying to us as parents. If we don't have a regular rhythm of our kids knowing, hey, we go with the people of God. This is our people. These are our tribes. And yeah, we're all weird and that's all right, but this is my people and coming once a week or once a quarter or God forbid a couple times a year doesn't create that sense of belonging and you got to fight for that and you got to start young. Again, this is why I was so grateful for all of our kids and student ministries because they are creating that belonging sense in tribes early for our kids that are reinforcing the values of our home. So God says to them, hey, when you're going into this new country, not only do you need to deconstruct, but you need to construct. And how do you do that? You first gather together. You go. There you shall go. And then there's a second thing that he says, and there you shall bring. Now, let me talk to you for a second, especially if you're new today, because if you're new and you're like, I knew he's going to talk about money. That is not what I'm about to say. 
But it's in here, so I'm going to say something, all right? Listen to me. He does command them to tithe. And you need to understand Old Testament. Tithe means 10%, yes. But most people don't understand there's more than one tithe. He said it in here. Your tithes, your offering, your free will, firstborn. Scholars have figured it out. It's not just 10%. It's actually more like 22%. And this is when you're like, bro, I was not going to do 10. Now you're talking 22? Huh? Get out of here with that nonsense. Now listen to me. Have you ever given your kid a command that wasn't for their good? I know I haven't. I mean, let's... Some commands I've given them for my good. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> but even for my good, it's really for their good too. But you want, why would God, don't miss this, why would God going into the new land establish a new tribe on sacrifice? You want to know why? Because any tribe that you're a part of that doesn't cost you anything to be part of means nothing to you. Means nothing. But when you are in and it costs you something to be a part of that tribe, now you're in it. And I'm not saying that it costs to be a part of the church. Don't hear me saying that, but here's what I am saying. We don't shy away here at Revolution Church for asking you to tithe. Most Christians today don't give anywhere near even 10%. They give on average 3%. On average 3%. So here's what you hear me say. It's not a question of if you are tithing. It's just to which God are you tithing? Are you tithing to the God of the culture? Because see, most people say, I can't afford to tithe. Look at your budget. I promise you, there is more than 10% going somewhere. Lindsay and I made a commitment a long time ago after we got married that we would not give to any other thing more than we give to God's house. Why? Because I want my house to be built upon the word of his house. Because when my house is built upon the word of his house, I'm actually, everything's a seed. I'm actually planting blessings in my own life. Now listen to me, really listen to me now. Because I'm not telling you to do something because I want something from you. I'm telling you to do something because I want something for you. Because see, most of us, we don't take God at his word and then we try to pray down blessings. And what we miss is you can actually plant them up. Did you know that? Yes, you can pray down God's blessings and you should, but do you realize you can actually plant them up from the ground in a seed form? Don't believe me? Look at, what, look at the very next verse. I don't think this is a coincidence that the very next verse God says this. Look at verse seven. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. I don't know if y'all just saw this, but God just commanded us to eat. Can I get an amen on that one? Come on, somebody, Right? And I looked that up in Hebrew. You know what it means? Eat. Actually, it goes a step further in Hebrew. It means to devour. This is why if you come over to my house, we don't pray long meals before eating time. 
You do that in your closet with the Lord. Here we say thank you and we dig in. Because I'm commanded to and I don't want to break the commands. Right? But you're like, Jason, what in the world does this have to do with tithing? Everything. Do you think God is asking you to tithe because he wants you to eat scraps? No. See, listen, God is inviting us into something. And here's what he's saying, what he's inviting us into. I'm inviting you into the kingdom of God, this new promised land. And what is that kingdom defined by? It's defined by eating in joy. But let's be honest. Is that what most churches offered? Most churches don't offer an invitation to more joy. Now, yes, a part of getting more joy is dying to yourself. Yes and amen. Not saying we shouldn't preach that. But what I'm saying is this. When we understand that dying to ourself and trusting Christ, we get more, not less. It becomes very easy. And most of our houses and most of our churches, we don't invite our kids into more. But that's what God's saying. He's saying, you shall eat. Listen, man, I love the gospel because it says that when Jesus comes back, we're going to have a wedding supper of the lamb. That means we're going to eat and have some wedding cake. Yes and amen. I mean, those are the parables that Jesus said. He's going to go out to the countryside, bring them into my feast. Hallelujah. You can eat and have a new body. Yes. But, but we off, often, we create this mantra in our homes and in the church that somehow the commands of God, actually, we should just do them and grin and bear it. No. We should do them because in doing them, God's offering us more. And that is what he's saying. He's saying, there you shall go, there you shall bring. So yes, we should gather together. And yes, we, when we come together, we shouldn't just come together to take. We should come together, yes, to receive, but then yes, to give back. And notice he doesn't say that you should give because tithing, and this is contrary. Some people don't think like this, but tithing is not giving, it's bringing. Why? Because God already owns it. I'm just returning it. I can't give something that's not mine. But here's what you need to understand. When we, again, you're like, what in the world does this have to do with kids? Everything. Because when we create kingdom kids, not just healthy, well-adjusted adults, but kingdom kids, kids with the kingdom mindset where they understand that coming to church to the people of God is not just to come and receive, but it's a come and give. Then we capture their hearts to the mission of God. That's what gets them. Listen, I can tell you one thing. My 15-year-old son doesn't just come here every week because he likes my sermons. Although I wish that was the case. I mean, he does like them. But you want to know what really made the difference in the heart of my son? It wasn't coming and sitting and being entertained. It was becoming a small group leader in Rev Kids. He's a small group leader. Yeah, you can clap for that. He was one of the ones that stood up a minute ago because now on Sunday mornings, somebody else he's responsible for. There are kids that would miss him if he didn't show up, talk about belonging. 
And even though he's 15, he's a part of the kingdom of God. He's a part of the mission of God and what God is doing because his life matters. His life has purpose. So again, if we create a tribe where there's not a place for us to plug in and contribute, we will actually belong less. So so don't miss the principle here. When you engage in the tribe and you start serving and you have a purpose and you start tithing and you start giving, it captures your heart because Jesus says where your treasure is there, your heart is also. So when you're engaged in the tribe like this, then your heart is there and you belong more and the beliefs are reinforced. You see what I'm saying? But so often... So often in our homes and in our churches, and, and I'm guilty of this sometimes because, I, and I've said this before, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't tithe. I would much rather t- tithe to Yahweh than some other Elohim because when I tithe to him, he blesses. So what he said, let me say it to you like this. When you rob God, you rob yourself. But so often we don't say it like an invitation. And I've got to be careful of this, even into my kids. Man, I'm inviting you into something. And this thing that I'm inviting you into is amazing. Which really gets to the heart of the last one. The heart of the last one, which I think, and you may not think that it, it really means this, but I think it does, is fun over time. Fun over time equals connection. See, what I'm saying to you and what we need to say to our kids is what we're inviting them into is something that we can rejoice. He says rejoice. And that word there, rejoice, you may not like the word fun, but it means great joy. And so following Jesus, is it tough and countercultural? Yes. But what he invites me into is actually having more joy than what the culture could ever offer me. And so that's how we need to say it to our kids. But here's the key. If they don't see us having fun enjoying Jesus, then why would they want to? This is what I was saying earlier. When, when my nine-year-old daughter, I'm always messing with her and I'm always dancing and Lindsay's always singing. My favorite thing to do is to pull into the school parking lot, roll the windows down, jam the music and sing at the top of my lungs and embarrass them. That's my most favorite thing to do. They try to hide. And I love it. But you know what? That's what they're going to remember. Our dad was crazy. He was weird, but it was fun. Because you want to know what fun does? Fun, hear me, validates forgiveness. Fun validates forgiveness. What do I mean by that? See, if I forgive somebody, but I don't want to go to eat with them, I don't want to have fun with them, then what I'm saying is I forgive you, but I don't like you. But when it comes to our kids, we can say I forgive you or I'm here for you, but if you don't have fun with them, then they will interpret as you don't like me. Now listen, there's going to be some things that your kids want to do that you don't want to do. Do it anyway. Think back to what it was like to be a kid. And if your parents didn't do what you thought was fun, then... You just went and found somebody else to do it with. Again, no one's going to out-belong my kids and no one's gonna out-forgive my kids and no one's gonna out-fund my kids. We're gonna have fun because the fun, that's fine, clap. If you're gonna clap, go all in, baby, all right? No half-hearted clap. There we go. Thank you. 
No half-hearted tithers, no half-hearted clappers, all right? But, but here's what I'm saying. Again, as the church, I want you to understand something. Why would God tell them, command them to do this, and then the next thing say, there you shall eat, and there you shall rejoice, you and your households? You want to know why? Because his commandments led to more joy. His commandments led to more fun, not less. So I want to create a culture within my home, not only where we have fun, but I show my kids God is the author of that fun, and that's why he gave us the commandments that he did. Because when I obey him, it actually leads to more joy in my life. Remember, because every deed is a seed, and I want to have fruit that I can enjoy. Listen, man, God ain't holding out on you. Paul said this in Romans, and we'll get back into Romans. If he gave his son for you, you don't think he's going to bless you and give you something to munch on? You don't think he's going to take care of you and bless you? He's got you. And, and when we create a home like that, where fun, and really I think fun, not only does it validate forgiveness, it validates love, it validates words and stories and tribes. And so I said this earlier, we're going to have our 15-year celebration this afternoon, and we're going to do some really spiritual things. We're going to sing. We're going to talk about some good things God's done. We're going to pray, and we're going to eat some pizza to God's glory. And, and that's really spiritual. It's really spiritual. Eating is spiritual, my man. You know, Jesus did most of his works around the dinner table, just eating with people. Turning, I mean, his first miracle, turning water into wine. <laughs> and no, it wasn't grape juice. I don't know why we get hung up on that. It wasn't. Again, don't take the... One of my pastor friends said he puts the fun in fundamentalism, all right? But even fundamentalism, what are the first three letters? Fun. See, following God can be fun. It can be joyous. It can be the type of thing that fills my heart where I can rejoice. And I want my kids to do that. And they can't do it if they don't see me and their mom enjoying the forgiveness of God and having fun. And this is the good thing about the tribe of the church. The only requirement to become a part of this family is forgiveness. That's it. Because there's not the good ones and the bad ones. There's Jesus and the rest of us. And the only way and the only reason I'm a part of this family is because God forgave me. And so you want to know the foundation of my fun is I'm forgiven. You know why I can sing and dance and I don't really care what y'all think? God likes me. And so if you have not received the forgiveness of God, man, I want you to understand something. Welcome to the family. And maybe some of you in just a minute need to trust Christ and be forgiven. In just a second, we're gonna have baptisms. And that's the picture of forgiveness. Dying to yourself, trusting Christ, raising to life again. We're going to celebrate, man. We're going to clap. 
We like it when people get, we just, we think it's happy when people get saved. So we're gonna celebrate that. But maybe there's some of you here that you've been forgiven, you just haven't been baptized yet, and so you need to get baptized today. Or maybe some of you, you've been forgiven and you have been baptized, but you're just not enjoying. You've lost the, forgive, the, the joy that your forgiveness brought. And, and the kind of church we wanna build is the kind of families we wanna build where all these things are happening, where we're enjoying each other, eating together, rejoicing that God has blessed us. So wherever you are today, I just want you to understand something. You're welcome. God can meet them, meet you where you are, and by his spirit, get you to that next place. And he can help you whether you're a parent, not a parent, you haven't trusted Jesus, you have, but you've forgotten your, the joy of your forgiveness. If you're just honest about where you are, because you can't start where you're not. So wherever you are, it's all right. We're all weird anyway, and you're welcome. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us, that you sent your son to forgive us. You loved us so much that you sent the word made flesh and dwelt among us, who lived the word perfectly so that he could trade places with us. And God, I know there are people here today who have not trusted you. They have not received your forgiveness. And I pray today that you would save them. That they would know that entrance into this family doesn't mean they have to obey. It means they have to trust the one who did and just admit that they're a sinner and that you'll save them. So nobody looking around or talking here as we close, if you've never trusted Christ, if you've never come to that place where you need to receive the forgiveness of God, then I'm gonna offer it to you. And all you have to do simply is to pray with me, not out loud. So if you want to trust Christ, it goes like this. Pray, Father, thank you so much for loving me that you sent your son in my place for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Save me. I give you my life. Thank you so much for loving me. Now, for those who just prayed that with me, again, nobody looking around or talking, if you just did that, would you just simply lift your hand up so we can see that? Thank you. Don't be ashamed, man. It's the best day of your life. We want to celebrate with you. Again, we get happy about this stuff. Thank you. We got men and women going to walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put it down. Man, welcome to the family. And then those of us who have prayed to trust Christ, but you haven't been baptized yet. Today's your day. Baptism is simply the public display of saying, I'm a part of the family. I've trusted Christ. I'm going public. And we cheer you on and we celebrate you. So if you came today prepared to get baptized, you can go ahead and stand up now and head to the back. 
And if there's somebody on your row that needs to stand up and head out both locations, just quietly, gently move over, let them head to the back. You can go ahead and stand up, head to the back, man, that's awesome. If you came prepared today to get baptized, your family, whatever, we'll meet you out there. But that way you can go ahead and go to the bathroom and get changed, then we'll meet you out there in a minute. But maybe some of you today came and you weren't prepared to be baptized, but we've got a change of clothes for you. We got towels for you. We got everything that you need. You can head to the back as well. We'll get you situated. We'll get you set up. We'll give you a place to change. And then we'll go out and celebrate together in baptism and baptize you. And that's your entrance into the family. But then those of us who have trusted Christ and we've been baptized. Maybe, again, maybe you just think that there's no way God can forgive you, but you know you've trusted him. I want you to understand something. You can't out his love. And so in that, the worth that you have is not in your obedience, it's in Christ. And we have to remind, I have to remind myself of that all the time. When God sees me now, he sees Jesus, not Jason. And out of that place, my obedience comes. So maybe you're here and you're not wrestling with worth. You're just wrestling with trusting God. Listen, trust him. If he said it, he said it for your good. He said it for more joy for you. So if it's tithing, trust him. If it's serving, trust him. If it's loving your spouse, trust him. If it's investing in your kids, listen, we all make mistakes as parents. The best thing that you can do now that the series is over is tell your kids, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm gonna try to love you over time, use my words to build you up over time, tell stories, create places for you to belong and have fun together. Maybe the best thing you can do today after you leave is go have fun as a family. Validate the forgiveness that you have in Christ. Father, I pray whatever it is that we need that you would provide it because you know the individual needs of every person and your Holy Spirit is just amazing and knowing how to apply this word to us and how we need it. So thank you for how it's been convicting for me as a father. And I pray that it would also be convicting for us as the family of God, that we would love each other over time. We would build each other up over time. We would encourage each other with words and stories and we would create that sense of belonging. We would have fun and fellowship together because we want the church to be an extension of the home that reinforces all these values. And we want this church to be that kind of place where we enjoy you and we obey you, which leads to more joy. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.